Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Welcome to another podcast from InsideCarolina.com, the independent voice of UNC Sports, brought to you by JohnnyTShirt.com, the go-to provider for all your Tar Heel gear. Welcome to the Inside Carolina podcast. I'm your host, Tommy Ashley. I'm joined by Dewey Burke. That means it is the post-game podcast. Dewey joins me after Carolina Falls in Iowa, 93-80, to to the sharp shooting Hawkeyes. Before we get started, I want to take a second to ask you to rate us and review us on Apple Podcast and give us a five-star rating. Leave us a question there. We'll answer it on the show. And if you want them delivered to your doorstep, subscribe. They'll deliver it straight to your smart device. You can listen to us anytime you need a Carolina basketball fix with Dewey Burke. Dewey, overall thoughts, Carolina, uh, I thought played pretty well at times. But, wow, if a team's going to shoot it like that, it's not a whole lot you can do ultimately. I think that's right. And and it's funny, I was texting with one of my former teammates about Iowa, and it was like, God, they shoot like this, they look like they could be in the Final Four, and then you could also see them going cold and losing in the second round. It's just they, they, sh- they shoot 43s, 53s a game, and you, you're going to live and die by it. Um, we obviously made a lot of defensive mistakes, especially early. Uh, overhelping uh, a number of times, left our feet on shot fakes that allowed shot fake one dribble pull up three that they rip, which is generally a difficult shot in the game of basketball. But when you're a team that shoots 40 to 50 threes, you can imagine how much they practice things like that. So I thought a lot of defensive errors early led to their hot start. Um, and there were a lot of open ones, but you still got to make them. And they made 11 of them in the first half. So they cooled off some and we were able to make our run. And I, you know, I, I weirdly still feel positive after that game just because I think we've got really good pieces. Like, I just – Dayron made mistakes, and but they're effort mistakes. And, and RJ is so crafty and can score. And Caleb, he's not shooting the ball great, and he had a couple turnovers, but shows flashes. Like, I, other than Walker, who I was a little disappointed in with his minutes in the second half, I just feel like we're going to be really good. And we just do things that young teams do uh, with the exception of some things that, that Garrison and Leakey and, and Andrew did that I think are inexplicable, but are, we're just young. And, and you look out there in the first half and watch games, my father-in-law, and I, and I turn to him, I say, five freshmen on the floor, you know, on the road against the number three team in the country. That's just the experience of that is so valuable. So I feel better than I think probably a lot of people do. Well, you mentioned the, the youth, and then you look at Iowa's lineup. Jordan Bohannon, redshirt senior. Garza, senior. Uh, Connor McCaffrey, redshirt junior. Wieskamp was a junior. Uh, C.J. Frederick, the, the little brother, sophomore. Uh, I mean, all these guys, uh, they're big-time guys, certainly have experience. And I don't know that people really understand how important experience is and Dewey, the last couple games with Texas is, and now Iowa, they've had experienced guards 
going up against freshman guards who have had a completely um, unfamiliar lead-in to their college basketball season. I don't think that point can be overstated. No, it can't. And, and I mean, you look at the box. I thought RJ was really good, 12-7. and seven. He so quick – it's funny. We've talked about this for years, Tommy. We've had guys on our team where you and I have said, God, every time he touches it and he has a glimmer, I want him to shoot it. He's like almost there already. You know, he had a couple of times when he caught the ball on the perimeter. I'm like, rip it, shoot it, you know, because we struggle to score in the half court. And for him to only shoot eight times is not enough. You know, and it's hard. It's his fifth game as a freshman. And we're telling him or, or talking about him, hey, greenest light, you need to pull it. Um, so it'll take time. We went through that with Marcus Page. We went through that with Cam Johnson. You know, we've had these conversations over the years of guys who just really could shoot it and score it that didn't shoot it enough. And I, I'm already there with RJ. So, you know, I think him and Caleb are just going to keep learning. Caleb's struggling shooting the ball. He's turning it over. But, God, he plays hard. He attacks. He's going to be fine. You see the explosiveness at the rim on that dunk that he had, the big three that he hit right in front of our bench. Our pieces are there. I think our upperclassmen need to play better to carry these guys along. And tonight felt like we were just not quite there. Enough 50-50 balls that didn't go our way. Enough in-ones that Garza threw in that went in and ours didn't. Just like enough little things that when, when the margin's thin against a team that good and you're young, it's hard to win. Indeed. Looking at the box, I've uh, got the official one in front of me. I think uh, 12 and 8 for R.J. Davis, three turnovers, Caleb Love 11 and six, four turnovers. Uh, it could be better. Uh, uh, Davis's numbers are great. Caleb could be better, but they've certainly been a lot worse early in the season, so that's progress. Let's talk for a second about another young guy, and you, and you mentioned Dayron Sharp. Man, that dude's a beast. And oh, man. he is the only big that I thought that gave Garza any – fight really and that's not a slam on the other ones but he took it straight at the big man and you see you can see it there's a couple instances where he could have had big dunks or big plays and he lost the ball it's like he's a puppy still and he's yeah. getting there but man the talent is certainly there and the the, the edge which is what I that's right and just and the sheer size I mean I watched the game with with my father-in-law and we hadn't watched the game yet together and we've been watching the games together for you know, 10, 12 years. And he said, he looks like Dwight Howard. Mm -hmm. My, my, my father knows not a big basketball guy, right? He's not, he doesn't know guys real well. And he's on the free throw line. He's like, he looks like Dwight Howard. Mm -hmm. Yeah. He's a monster. So the little, the little waist and the shoulders that are. Yeah. And the frame. And you just, I mean, imagine what he's going to look like next October. Mm -hmm. um, but the, the effort level, the want to that he has, he, and he, he hit a 15-footer. He made a couple free throws. Um, I did think Baycott did an all right job in the first half on Garza. Um, but we just got in brutal foul trouble, and we weren't as able to be so physical. And it was frustrating to me that there wasn't a single offensive foul called on Garza. Because he, he ducked his head, dipped his shoulder, hooks guys, and to not get one call to go our way, I didn't think that was quite right. I'm not one that typically complains about the officials. But – uh, boy, the future's bright for Dayron. I mean, I just, it's one of those things, like, again, already, like, I hope he doesn't leave. 
<laughs> you know <laughs> i was saying the opposite to my son during this game i was like that's it folks he does that too many more times and he's going to be on the he's going to be a lotto pick but yeah yeah it's just a weird season so just to see him get better and it, you know shout out to Baycott. i mean 11 rebounds just four points like you mentioned he had some flashes as well I thought he battled. I, I thought he battled in the first half. I thought that his his fourth foul, I thought, was a, a pretty bad call, and the announcers were saying as much. And uh, that hurt his ability to get in any flow uh, in the second half and also didn't get enough touches. Um, you know, his polish offensively is better, so we need to get the ball into him more than we did. Um, but I thought he battled in the first half. Yeah, four shots total for Baycott. Not enough. Uh, Brooks comes up with 17 and eight in the end. And and I thought he did some things. He had some open looks and he knocked down his free throws, you know, which has been an issue for Carolina. Let, I want to talk about the upperclassmen, but I want to do that last um, because I do want to ask a question that I'm, everybody asks, and we've talked about it a million times. And I want somebody that's actually been in the system to explain to people that have not been in the system what the goal is defending these threes. I will say what I thought watching this game. I thought that Roy said, Garza's not going to beat us. He's not going to be the national player of the year tonight. Somebody else is going to have to. Maybe that was just my untrained eye. And when guys hit 17 threes, I mean, you tip your hat ultimately. But talk to me about how, how does Carolina basketball and Roy Williams ultimately in, in most like – to defend the three-point shot for our listeners? Yeah, so I, I think our biggest issue uh, from my perspective, or biggest issues, two things. Uh, one is overhelping on not even full-blown penetration, just the initial, uh, the initial dribble or two by a perimeter player that looks like penetration, and we just we jump in there because we're trained to do that when a guy is fully beat and we just do it anyway. It's, we don't read it. What I mean by that is, you know, if, if it's a blow by direct drive, then you're trained to come off of your guy and help. But the guy even just takes one dribble into a crease and we jump off and help when the help wasn't needed. And so that naturally creates an easy pitch catch and shoot that's not really contested and we're not coached to help unless it's needed. Uh, but we just, we continue to do it. So obviously they're not hearing it right or it's the youth or whatever. That's the first thing is we overhelp on penetration that to me is not really a threat. Never mind the fact that we have four monster bigs back there. You know, we talked about this before. It's almost like let them go in there and deal with day run. Let them go in there and deal with Mondo and Garrison and Walker. Uh, and, and if they can finish over those guys enough times to win the game, tip your yeah. cap, right? Yeah. And good. And, and, and look, and you, you lose some things rotationally, right? If you let the penetration go and you, you rotate off a of Garza to try to contest that shot, he's there, he's not boxed out, he tips in and he missed. Okay. And that's part of what you give up. Um, so I think that's the first thing. I think we, we overhelp unnecessarily in the gaps because we're trained to help if there's penetration and we just do it by default. Um, and and that, that drives me and everyone crazy. Um, the second thing is we did a terrible job tonight of staying down on shot fakes. We work on closing out in a defensive station so often. 
And I can't tell you how many times, I don't know if there was ever a scouting report that I saw that didn't have somewhere SF, F, excuse me, SFSD, shot, fake, stay down, shot, fake, stay down. And Leaky Black flying through the air several times, giving up threes. Andrew Playtech flying through the air. Caleb Love flying through the air. Caleb gets the excuse. What's Andrew and, and Leaky's explanation for that? There's you can't the leave your feet. Right. That's the first You cannot leave your feet. And then, look, you give – I forget his name, the kid number 10 who really shot it great. The shot he hit in the second half, bottom right of the TV screen, shot fake, one dribble, jump step left, and ripped it. Guys, that's not an easy shot. It's not. But he doesn't even have the opportunity to get it off if you close out and SFSD, right? So that's a principle that we preach, and we didn't do it so many times. Go back and watch the game. I bet you it's 12, 14 times we left our feet on shot fakes. That's not Coach Williams' fault. People can take issue with his training on what I said before, jumping into the gaps to stop penetration, and we – we overdo it. We overhelp and leaves the to open shots. It's okay. If you don't like that principle, I get it. If you like the Virginia principle, you sag more, you're already there. And then you close out to the shooter. I get it. The pack line. I understand. None of what coach is teaching or telling our guys has anything to do with leave your feet when you're chasing a shooter ever, ever. That's on the guys. And I know that to be true. Well, that's the, and you mentioned, and that leads me to our next discussion is the upperclassmen making freshman mistakes still and leaky I, I hate to pick on one kid because he did some good things i mean he had um almost had a double double tonight but man like you're talking about wheeze camp pumps him he flies off to the side and he steps to the left and he, and he rips a three down on the other end same thing i mean it's like how many times can a guy that's that like you said has heard it, it a thousand times in practice yeah you can't, you can't make that mistake if you're leaky. Playtech did the same thing. Garrison had at least two, maybe three, brutal missed box outs. One for sure in the second half that led to an offensive rebound kickout wide open three. I think it was their first three of the second half. Uh, just, just didn't box. Inexcusable mistakes, right? And so you, may, you have those things. You're young, right? And then when you're in the midst of making your run or they're making their counterpunch, Walker goes to the line, 0 for 2 from the line. That's a turnover. Caleb misses the front end. That's a turnover. Dayron goes to the line, misses 2. That's a turnover. RJ goes to the line, misses 2. That's a turnover. And when the, when the margin is that thin, you have upperclassmen making mistakes they shouldn't make, a team shooting the ball great, and then we have all those things compound themselves and we didn't get a lot of 50-50 balls. It made it hard to win, but I still feel good. I still feel good about our team because I love RJ. I love Caleb the way he fights. I love Dayron. Uh, and I think Walker's going to be all right. Not impressed with his minutes in the second half. I think he, he got his tail kicked a little bit there. Um, but we're, I, I think we're going to be okay. I really do. So wrapping this one up Carolina loses to Iowa 93 to 80 I tend to agree um with you now if they'd have kept it going like it was going in the first half it was going to be a washout and there would be very little positive but the fight to come back to take the lead um and then that those mistakes you know the 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 missed box outs that's what drives me crazy is when I see guys looking up at the rim when the shot's going up on the other side and their guys just 
cruising around them, getting big, big offensive rebounds. I mean, and, and, I, and I'm not trying to just like defend coach as a part of the narrative of this podcast, but like people love to get on him. Did he miss any box outs? Like, yeah. no. Did he miss any free throws? No. Did he fly by shooters and leave his feet? No. You know, take issue with some of the principles defensively. I get it. Uh, some people don't like the motion and the freelance and think that it's outdated playing with two big. Okay, fine. But, guys, boxing out, staying down on shooters, closing out properly, making free throws, taking care of the ball, not on the coach. Yep. I agree with you. Um, I don't think many people will, <laughs> just to be honest, but it is what it is. Last question. What do you what do you want to see from maybe some guys we don't normally talk about? You know, when I see a guy like Playtech and then I see all these Iowa guys, and I'm not just making the comparison because of the skin color, it's ridiculous, but I, they'd sit out there and hit threes, kind of like um, – you know, Shaman could do back in the day, just park on the wings and hit threes. That doesn't really seem like a guy like Playtech's game for whatever. He wants to get in the paint more. I mean, so what gets better for Carolina over these next few weeks? I think they have Ohio State next. Where do mm-hmm. they improve? Where, besides just getting experience in the freshman guards, where do you want to see the most improvement? Well, cleaning up the inexplicable mistakes, right? You just were not so talented and so experienced and gifted that we can just get away with making these mistakes. Because, I mean, you remember, you know, with the guys I played with and some of the teams after that, we were so good that you could you could make these mistakes. It's like it didn't, it didn't matter. We're going to score 100. It didn't matter. We're going to score 100. You can't score with us. And so we, we leave our feet on a shot fake. We miss the box out. It still gets coached just as hard, and you get hit and film on it. But it's like we're going to score 100. This, the margin is not that. You know, certainly not yet. We have plenty of talent. So the inexplicable mistakes must be cleaned up. The senseless turnovers, leaving your feet on shot fakes, missing box outs, missing the front end of a one-on-one, or missing two free throws, which ends up in my book, as, as I said, is a turnover. The things you can really control – uh, we have to get a little bit better at. And for the young guys that will come, everything's happening really fast for them. For the older guys, just flat out no excuse and just be better and uh, clean those things up and bring the effort that we brought for that stretch where we made the run the second half where we took the fight to them. We're going to be fine. We're going to be, we're going to be okay. I, I feel good about our team. I really do. I would, I would tell you if I didn't. Right. Well, they, you know, that's the frustrating part is those stretches, like at the beginning of the second half and in the middle of the second half, though, for the fan base, at least those are the, and I'm sure for Roy Williams as well, that's the frustrating part. Cause this is what they can do. You know, this five minute stretch is how we play this, the rest of it's not. And, and that's gotta be frustrating for the guys. It's gotta be frustrating for coach Williams, for you, former guys watching them, everybody, but you're right. I was a good team. A lot of people said, you know, I was overrated and blah, blah, this and that. And I think Garza is a beast. Let me ask you this last question. And this is a fun one. They compared Garza to Tyler. And I, I know what you're going to say, but they got a similar bull in the China shop type style. Um, but what do you think? I do. I do agree with that. You know, in terms of the physicality around the rim and, and getting deep post position by just, you know, physically beating on the guy that w- is defending you. 
I think that is similar. Um, but I mean, I think Tyler was so much more athletic, moved so much better, uh, much more explosive. Um, I didn't see Garza really, really make any 12, 15 footers, which Tyler added over the time of his career. Um, I, maybe it's just because Garza doesn't play at the same pace. You know, he's not able to, he's not as, as agile and fast that uh, while it seemed like he was relentless and physical, I didn't watch him and say, Oh my God, this guy's heart might give out. Like yeah. he's playing so hard, which when you watch Tyler, you, a lot of times thought that you thought he might die <laughs> as hard as he's playing. You know what I mean? So I, I see, I see the point and I see when it came to getting post position and battling down there and how physical he was and his ability to draw fouls. I, I will, I'll give you that. Um, but for me, it, it stopped, it stopped there. Yeah. He, uh, he got tired. I don't remember Tyler ever getting tired. Never. And, Never. uh, yeah, that's the big difference. But, uh, wow, I'd love to see them go at it because somebody might die if those big boys <laughs> went at it. I mean, yeah. both – both fa- Garza looked like a boxer the way his face is scarred up. So, I'm sure it would be a fun one to watch. Anyway, Dewey, it's always fun. Appreciate you joining me tonight. Carolina loses 93-80. to 80. You've been listening to the Inside Carolina podcast, post-game podcast, sponsored by Johnny T-Shirt. Support those guys at Johnny T-Shirt. I say it all the time. I mean it all the time. It's important we uh, shop local and support Johnny T-Shirt. And as always, you get 10% if you're a premium subscriber here at Inside Carolina. Mr. Dewey Burke, appreciate it, my man. Thank you, Tony. Thanks for listening to another podcast from InsideCarolina.com. Brought to you by JohnnyT-Shirt.com. Where to go for your next Tar Heel gear purchase. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.